Welcome everyone to the Baking with House of Bread podcast. And I am your host, Sheila McCann. So in this session, we're going to talk about pies. And it's going to be the pies of the fall season. So it's pumpkin, country apple, and pecan. And I find there's just something comfortable about pie in the fall. So we're going to give you a basic pie crust recipe that's made with butter. And it's going to be for two pies. And because our pies that we're going to discuss, the pumpkin, country apple, and pecan pies, those are open-faced pies. But you could also take the apple pie recipe and just put the other crust on top for more of a traditional apple pie. And we're going to include all the recipes in the show notes. So you don't have to bother taking notes. So I'm going to cover all the ingredients um, and then you'll find you have the recipes there in the show notes for you. Okay, so we were in business for a few years without doing pies for the holidays in spite of the many requests. And so people would order our dinner rolls for Thanksgiving. There, We also have like a lot of cranberry orange breads and, and stuffing mix. And they'd always ask, do you do pies? Because really, to tell you the truth, people want convenience, right? They just kind of want a one-stop shop. But to be honest with you, I just kept saying no because, um, well, first of all, I thought, first of all, we're really busy during the holidays already. Um, and then second of all, we it's big gift giving season. So we do a lot of gift baskets too. Um, and I thought I'm just too busy. Um, but I do realize now that in business, there's a saying like, so you got to go fishing when the fish are biting. And what I mean by that is during the Thanksgiving to Christmas, I mean, really we do about almost 25% of our sales during that, you know, that month time period. Um, and really come January, People are dieting or they got their credit card bills and they're trying to watch their spending. So it's really super difficult to make that extra $500 in sales in January. And it's super easy to make it during Thanksgiving and December. And the nice thing about pies is that it doesn't cannibalize other sales. And the other reason I didn't do pies for a while, to be completely honest, because I was a little intimidated. I mean, I didn't know how to make pies. And I also thought that it wouldn't be that, you know, it was kind of easy to go out and buy pies. You can buy them in the grocery stores and most other bakeries had it. Um, But I will tell you this, that when you taste homemade pie made with a real butter crust, you are not going to go back to that grocery store bread. Because really what they do, or the grocery store pie, I should say, because really what they do is they, they get their products frozen And then they put these frozen pies into their oven. So they're not making them. They're just baking them. And I also know some of the the local bakeries do that. I mean, I use, I, I get Bakemark and Dawn Foods are the big bakery suppliers. And they have frozen pies that are completely made that they will sell you. And you can just pop those in the oven. But it's never as good. It just isn't. And so, like I said, Real butter crust, it's homemade, and all natural fillings, it can't be beat. And you're going to taste the difference, and so will your family. And the other reason I changed my mind about pies is that I had a baker that worked for me for a few years, and she wanted to start her own little business. And so her name was Sean, and she was a super good baker. Anyway, she had actually gone to culinary school, and it didn't quite, she didn't, um, find the job she was hoping for. So I ended up hiring her and uh, she was a great hire. And anyway, so she 
wanted to start our own little pie baking business. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, you can use my commercial kitchen and then you can't sell the pies necessarily at House of Bread, but what you can do is that we can let you sell them at our farmer's market. So you can, you can man our booth and you can sell your pies and you can sell our breads at the same time. And sure enough, I watched her. She made her real butter crust and I actually watched her core apples and seed them and cut them all up. And, and that was a lot of work. I can tell you that much, but anyway, and, but her pies sold really well. I mean, people kept coming back to us and asking, where are those pies? I can't, I just can't get that apple pie out of my mind. It was so good. It was the best thing I ever tasted. And well, anyway, so Sean went on to go back to uh, Cal Poly. She got her undergraduate in science and then she got her master's and then now she's a scientist and no longer making pies that I know of <laughs> anyway but I thank her for helping me get over that fear factor and now we make so many pies during Thanksgiving I mean we really we run out of space to cool them off where we could stack them in the pie boxes and I have one photo I put up on our Facebook page I just remember I was like at I don't remember it was like five o'clock in the morning the day before Thanksgiving and literally it was like hundred pies we had to make in a few hours. And so there's, there's also some in the oven. So we had to quickly get them out, cool them down enough and then get them in a pie boxes so we could stack them before the other stuff came out of the oven. And we used the mixer to make the fillings. And what happened was, is that we had previously make the crust and then we would freeze them. And, and to be completely honest, one time, we ran out of pie crust the day before Thanksgiving and that's the busiest day in the bakery. So the busiest month is December, but the busiest day is the day before Thanksgiving. And really we didn't have any time and we had special orders for them. So basically I remember having to go to the store and I kind of disguised myself. I took off my house of bread shirt. I kind of put on the hat and I went into the store <laughs> and I was hoping I wouldn't run into anybody I know. Anyway, I purchased about 20 Marie Callender pie crusts um, and no one recognized me, but I do remember the clerk asked me, oh, what are you going to do with all those pie crusts? And I just said, oh, I'm going to make a lot of pies. Um, so now we make as many pie shells in advance as our freezer will hold. And the pie shells, they freeze really well and they stack really well too. Thank goodness. Okay, so there's a couple keys to making a good pie crust. And in my opinion, it's real butter. Okay, it has to be super cold butter. And you don't want to overmix the dough. So use real butter that's cold and don't overmix the dough. Um, and the reason that cold butter is ideal for baked goods that should be crisp, like a pie crust, is because butter that's straight from the fridge doesn't get fully incorporated into a batter. And Instead, it gets kind of broken down in small pieces throughout your dough. And since butter is about 18% water or so, there's steam that's released in those pockets during baking, which, which that is what helps create those fake flaky layers that you want. And oils often have a higher melting point than butter and will offer an even flakier crust. However, the oil in other pie crust recipes, just it just doesn't taste as good to me. And of course, if you're a vegan, you can substitute vegetable oil or canola oil. 
Um, I would not use olive oil because it, it has too much of a taste. And it's not necessarily complementary to pumpkin or pecan or apple. Um, you can also use lard. And lard's made from hogs. And for some reason, I just don't want to use the fat from a hog. I'm not sure if that's completely logical. Because um, I'm perfectly fine with butter. And I actually was told that lard has more monosaturated fat, which is the good kind of fat, at 60% versus 45% for butter. But there's just something about it. I don't know. I can't, I can't, I have that vision of those, that Crisco can. And I remember seeing it as a kid and it was, it was just, it was just kind of weird for me. So anyway, I like the taste of butter and that's what we use in our recipes. Okay. If you have a food processor, it'll save you some time. Because uh, making a pie crust, it's really super easy because, well, the machine's going to cut the cold butter in with the other ingredients. However, with a food processor, you have to be very careful that you don't melt the butter from the friction of the movement because the friction will create heat. Um, and so when you do use that food processor, it's just tiny pulses. Okay, so don't put it on on and leave it on, just tiny pulse. And if you don't have a food processor, you can still make a wonderful pie crust. It just takes a little more time to cut the cold butter into that pea size shape. And remember when I say pea size shape in recipes, I remember thinking, oh, they all have to be round. No, they just have to be small about pea size, okay? And some can be a little bit smaller and some can be a little bit bigger. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and what you use, you use like a pastry cutter um, and you know what they look like to me they look like a, a like a saddle saddle stirrup, um, and maybe that's my Montana roots speaking here. But anyway, it's got a wooden handle usually, and it's got several looped wires coming out of it. And once again, they're cheap; they're like less than ten bucks. You can buy one. But if you don't have that, what you can also use, and this is actually what we'll use in the bakery for our scones, we just use a big cheese grater, and it's kind of like the bigger holes, the one that's about the size of a pea, right? Um, and so we'll grate the butter into the flour mixture. And lastly, if you don't have any of that, you can just use a good old fashioned knife. And the point being here is that butter just has to be small enough to be mostly incorporated with the other ingredients. Yet you don't want to fully incorporate that butter with the dry ingredients because what happens is you, you risk melting the butter. Um, and so you take your, your step one basically is that you get your, your flour, your salt, your sugar, you mix all that, and then you mix in with the butter, okay? Um, and then you add your very cold water. Okay, so step one in the making of the pie crust. If you, and also keep in mind, you can also buy pie crust in the store. And what I would do is I'd look at the type of ingredients used in these pie shells and just try to get an all natural pie crust made with butter. I'm not going to tell anybody, right? So if you don't tell anybody that I did that, all right? So we all, you know, we all get in a jam sometimes. Although I can tell you that making pie crust, it's, it's way easier than it sounds. And the homemade pie shells, I think they look beautiful. Sure, they're not as pretty as the commercial ones, or I should say not pretty. They're not as uniform, but they look so much more authentic. And I think it looks more natural. So it doesn't look bad. It just looks more natural. Think of it that way. And plan on tearing your pie shell a bit. 
And it's super easy to fix, right? So you just dab your finger in some cold water and press into the tear gently. And you'll slowly see it come back together again. It's kind of like magic, right? And lastly, everyone rolls out a little uneven. Okay, so no one's going to get a perfect diameter. And you're going to have to likely do a patch job of somewhat. And just do the same method I talked about. You just put your finger in that cold water and then push the two pieces together. Okay, so this recipe is gonna either make an extra thick pie crust. Um, so we also make galettes in the bakery and so your galettes generally a little bit thicker. So we'll use this recipe for just one galette, but it will make two regular crusted pie shells. And you can do one pie bottom and a top or two open faced pies, such as our pecan, pumpkin and country apple recipes that I'm gonna cover. Lastly, you could just make one pecan pie and you can freeze the other half of the dough to shape later. Just let it get to room temperature before shaping. Or you can shape, right, you can roll out the dough, put it in a pie container and then wrap it and freeze it. And really that's what we do at House of Bread. We use those aluminum pie pans and then we put parchment paper between them so we got to stack them, right? And we add, add a little bit of flour too. And then when we get them to a certain height, then we'll put them in a plastic bag and then put them in the freezer. And really you can leave them in the freezer and we've done it for up a couple of months in advance. And this method will allow you to pull out that pie shell on Thanksgiving morning, let it get to room temperature while you make your, your pie filling. And then you add the filling and way to the oven you go. Okay, so in your mixing bowl or your food processor, you put in your flour, sugar, and salt. So it's two and a half cups of all-purpose flour. You can use pastry flour or cake flour as well. These type of flours are recommended because they have the lower gluten content. And in your pie crust, you do not want to develop gluten. Because really what happens is it's going to be more chewy and it's less soft and flaky. In the end, though, if all you have is bread flour in your cupboard, Go ahead and use it. I mean, really, the vast majority of people aren't going to be able to tell that much difference. Um, but you have to be extra careful. Well, you should be careful anyway not to overmix pie dough, but you have to be extra careful if you're starting with a higher gluten flour like bread flour. Okay, so then you add one tablespoon of white granulated sugar. I don't recommend adding any more sugar as the filling will have additional sugar. And you can also, if you're going to do more of a traditional pumpkin pie, or excuse me, not pumpkin, but more like an apple pie or, or a fruit pie of some sort, it has a top, right? And so on the top, you can egg wash and add extra sugar then too. And a teaspoon of salt. Really any kind of table salt is going to do just fine. And um, if you have dietary restrictions, you can cut it out. However, I would caution against this because salt tends to bring out all the other flavor, which is why it's in this recipe. And I don't recommend that coarse kosher salt or rock salt. And the reason why it's just too thick and it doesn't disperse evenly. Okay, so you mix the sugar, salt and flour before you add the butter. And the reason why is because it'll just result in less mixing time. And things are going to disperse more evenly as well. And so mix those real quickly. Okay, it's just whisk it or use your hand or whatever. And then now you add the butter. And if you're using that food process, remember, it's just pulsing. You can't turn it on. Um, and if you have cut it beforehand, you just mix it in the best you can. Um, and 
it's not going to be completely even, right? And and you're going to have different butter size chunks. It's okay. Just just get it incorporated with the flour and sugars as uh, evenly as you can. But honestly, I mean, I don't want you to spend more than 30 seconds on this. And I tell you why I'm giving you a time limit, because the danger is, is you're going to melt the butter and you're not going to get that flaky crust. Okay, so now you're going to add your one cup of cold but butter. Okay, so when I say cold, I want to, because normally when I bake, sometimes I'll take all my ingredients out in advance, right? Leave them on the counter, make sure I have them all. Um, but in this case, with your pie crust, I want you to leave that butter in the refrigerator because um, I want it as cold as possible. And so it's a cup of cold butter, which is usually basically if your butter comes in uh, a pound, it was a package, it usually has four cubes. Well, it's two of the four cubes is going to be your cup. And it'll say on the side what it is. Okay, so then you pulse that cold butter into the flour mixture until it resembles coarse peas. And if you look at pie recipe, they all talk about coarse peas. And that used to like, well, what the heck does that mean? Well, you think of those small <laughs> pea shapes. And like I said, it doesn't have to be all completely round or uniform. There's going to be different sizes. Just try to get it, you know, kind of as small, about that small as possible. And you don't want to process the butter as the heat from the mixer motor, it's going to melt it. So don't over-process it. Just get it um, incorporated the best you can and then call it good. If you do it by hand, um, and this is one thing where I, I'm such a hand person. I use my hands for everything. But remember, your hands have heat. So it's almost better to use a couple of spoons just to prevent it from uh, melting it. Okay, so once your mixture is crumbly, okay, it's going to look because there's no water in it, right? Um, you want to slowly add in your half a cup of cold water. And when I say, the reason I say emphasize that slowly, because you may not use a half a cup. Okay, so um, have a half a cup weighed out and cold. And once again, this thing, the cold water should be in your refrigerator with your butter to start. So pull it out at the very end. I mean, quite frankly, you could even put it in the freezer. I don't want ice cubes in it, but I do like it super cold. Um, and so you just start adding it very slowly until your dough comes together and it forms a ball, right? And it comes off the sides of the bowl. And like I said, it very well may can't come into a ball without needing to add the entire amount of water, which is why you want to add it slowly. And the other thing is, is that everyone measures a little bit differently, okay? And we also have different environments of moisture content. If your thing isn't coming into a ball and it's still really crumbly, then go ahead and add a tablespoon of very cold water at a time. Okay, and like I said, that dough ball should hold together, okay? Um, but it's not like a nice smooth ball, like a yeasted bread. It kind of almost is a little bit crackly. It's just a ball that holds together. That's where you want to get it and then stop. Okay, so you don't want a sticky mess there. And if you find that you might, you think you might have added too much water, it's not the end of the world. I don't want you to keep adding flour because I don't want it over mixed. What we'll do is we're just going to add some more flour on the table when we roll it out. So it's an easy fix. So um, get into that ball and just stop because we don't want that butter melting and we don't want it over mixed. Okay, so now you take your dough out of the bowl and you divide it into two. And it just basically just kind of hand form it into two flat discs. Um, kind of think like more like they look like English muffins. 
Um, so they're about that inch high and you're going to roll this out later. And don't worry about exactly getting it round or getting it that inch high. Just shape it as quickly as you can without manhandling it. Because once again, I don't want to melt that butter, right? And you wrap the dough in plastic and let it rest for about an hour in the refrigerator. Okay. Once again, put it back in the refrigerator. And while it's resting, you can now work on making your filling. Okay, so after about an hour, take one of the dough discs out of the refrigerator. Okay, just one, right? Not two. So only roll out one at a time because I want to have it cold. So leave the other dough ball or disc, leave that in the refrigerator. Okay, so now we have our work surface. So what you want to do is put to sprinkle a little bit of flour on your surface. When I say little, I mean little. And you can also flour your rolling pin if you'd like. Okay, and what you want to do is roll out with a rolling pin um, to put it into your 9-inch pie shell. And your other half, you can make another pie, or you can use a top for your apple pie if you prefer not to use the country. And what I would recommend you do is roll it out a couple times, okay? Go up and down and then take it sideways with your rolling pin. Um, and then I would move it. And what I mean by move it, kind of move it like counterclockwise because um, it'll just be a little bit more evenly shaped. And the other thing I find is that if you don't move it, it tends to stick to your surface. And, and then you have to add more flour. And by that time, you've added too much flour. So roll it up and back sideways and just like a quarter turn. And you keep doing it until you get to about a 10 to 11 inch circle for your nine inch crust. Um, and so, like I said, you got a nine inch crust, but go a little bit more. So 10, if not 11 inches. And it'll be kind of thin. So this is a little bit of a thinner crust. And one way to check and see if you got it rolled out enough is you take your, your pie container and you put it upside down on what you just rolled out and you'd be able to tell does it have about an inch um at least an inch around i mean sometimes it's going to be like two inches on, over here and an inch over here and that's perfectly fine because what we're going to do now is we're going to cut around the pie pan and try to cut as close to about an inch and a half maybe and it's okay to have rough edges and so what you're going to do is you can rough brush off that extra flour you can use like a dry pastry brush or really just kind of shake it off and then what you, I'd recommend you do is you take your round, circular, thin pie crust, right? And you fold the pie crust in half. And then take that half and then fold it into a quarter. And then what you do is you take your pie container and you take the pointy end of that folded pie crust, put it in the middle, and then you just slowly unfold. And chances are it might crack a bit. Not a big deal. Remember... Dab that finger in some cold water and just fix it. And before you end up adding your filling, you can decorate the sides of the crust. So we just crimp ours with our hands. So we kind of suck your index finger and your thumb, and we just pinch the sides. You can also use a fork. We've done that too. So you just take a fork around the rim. And I've also seen people or heard of people using like beads or pearls. And the, kind of the nice thing about that, um, it just goes super quick. I mean, I can't say I've used pearls. I don't really actually own any pearl necklaces, so that's part of the problem. 
But I'm, I'm sure it would wash off fine, right? So, I mean, you know, the pearls are created inside oysters after all. Okay, so now you put in your filling. Okay, so if you want to roll out the other disc, if you're going to do another pie, so what you do is you pull it out of the refrigerator and you want to reflower your rolling surface. I just basically repeat like I described above. And I'm assuming you can do an apple pie more traditionally. You want to fold the top in half um, rather than a quarter. Okay, so I just kind of fold it in half and put it on and then unfold it so it completely circle. And you basically crimp the sides together with your two fingers to create a little loop or use a, a fork on the edges. And then you take that excess dough and you just kind of fold it underneath the top. And you want to egg wash the entire pie. And it's just what, take an egg, crack it, and add about a tablespoon of water and just take a fork and kind of whip it up. And then, and this water doesn't have to be cold, right? And so you can just egg wash on top. And if you want to add some sugar, you can add some sugar on top. And so on this traditional apple pie, um, you always have to cut some seams in the top. And the reason why is because your pie is going to steam and I want to have a place for the steam to escape. And so we can create decorative, you know, whatever you can do like a star on top or, you know, but should have some type of slashes in every quadrant of your pie. And the reason why is if you don't slash it, then the steam is going to find a way to escape and it just looks for the, the weakest point in your pie crust and then it'll split up in there. And once again, this isn't the end of the world. Let's just say that it does split where you don't want it. I mean, what happens? What? They get to see the apples below. So it can be really pretty too. So, so not to worry. Oh, you also have some extra dough. If you want to get super creative, what I have seen, and this is other bakeries, I don't do this because I'm honestly, I'm really not that artistic, <laughs> but I've seen them like take the apples, they make a little apple shape and they put a little red food coloring on it. And then they'll take a uh, green food coloring and they'll make a stem. And I've also seen them do leaves. Um, and it, you know, it's all very pretty and it's nice and decorative. Um, but in the bakery, I mean, we've got to pump out 100 pies. And so it's like, we just don't have the time for, to do that. And, and quite frankly, it's kind of messy with all that food coloring. I mean, we make Santa breads during uh, the holiday season. And so we use the, you know, the red food dye. And uh, and it's bad enough. It stains things. And so I'm, I'm not a big fan of food coloring if I can get away with it. Okay, so on your pumpkin pie, pecan pie, they don't have a top. And I'm gonna give you the country apple pie recipe. It gets more of a crumb topping. And that happens to be my favorite pie. So I, um, while I like traditional apple pie, I really prefer the crumb topping. Okay, so regardless of what pie you're going to make, it needs to be on a baking sheet. And I'll tell you why, because the filling often spills over and it's a mess. Also, on a baking sheet, it can prevent the, I call it the oven mitt dent. Um, and so if my baker tries to take the pie out by, with the oven mitts, I end up having dents. And the same thing with loaves of bread. Okay, so we take the bread out of the pan. It gets rolled out. Um, I don't want them grabbing a loaf and pulling it out with their oven mitt because I don't like the dents. Okay, so I recommend... Most pies are going to bake for about 40, 50 minutes at 400 degrees. 
Um, and so they're all a little bit different. And so like your pumpkin pie, how you tell those are done? It's like it should in the middle. It, it's a custard pie, right? So there's a little jiggle still, but it should shouldn't move that much. It's not a liquid. It's a gel at that point. And same thing with the pecan. It's kind of a, a, a substance that it will solidify in the middle. And so if you tap it in the middle and it kind of bounces back for you, you know it's done. Okay, pecan pie. So you take two cups of pecans and you put them in the pie shell first. Um, and you can use quarter, you can use chopped. It doesn't really matter. If you want to use whole pecan, pecans, you can. Um, just got to have two cups. And then we take the mixture, we mix it separately, and then we end up pour it into the pie shells. And so for a pecan pie, it's four eggs, one cup of brown sugar packed. And so um, your white sugar is naturally packed. But when you make things with brown sugar, you kind of have to pack it down. And then three quarters of a cup of dark corn syrup. And all if you have is light corn syrup, you can use it. So the difference between light corn syrup it basically has vanilla and salt, and dark corn syrup has molasses in it. I prefer the look of the dark corn syrup. Um, but like I said, if you all you got is light, then go ahead and use it. Just omit the salt and vanilla in the recipe. Okay, now you're going to add in a quarter cup of melted butter. Okay, I've talked enough about cold butter in the crust, but here it's melted. So it's a quarter cup of melted butter. And so then you mix thoroughly... Um, with a teaspoon of vanilla and a half a teaspoon of salt. Um, and you're not going to over mix this, so it doesn't really matter, but you don't, you know, just mix it until it's incorporated. And then you pour that mixture over the pecans. And I do recommend that you let it sit for just, you know, maybe four or five minutes. And the reason why, because sometimes there'll be air bubbles that will escape. Okay, so our country apple pie. So you take five cups of sliced apples, um, it could be any kind of apples. If I were to do it from scratch, like I watch Sean do real apples, she used Granny Smith apples, and um, and they're kind of tart. So I really do think that those make phenomenal um, apple pie. Okay, but what we do at House of Bread, we use canned apples. Um, and so the key thing with using canned apples um, is you really have to drain them. So you open up your, we use number 10, which are these big, huge cans of uh, canned apples and we drain it it's in water but we completely drain it first because you don't want a soggy pie so drain your apples and then we add a tablespoon of lemon juice and then a cup of brown sugar which is packed right and then a couple teaspoons of cinnamon and two tablespoons of flour and um, pastry all-purpose cake flour is preferred but once again it's not that big of a deal if you can I'll use bread flour on this and then a teaspoon of nutmeg. So you place that in the pie shell um, and then your topping you make in a separate bowl um, and your topping is one cup of pastry flour, one cup of oats, and it's the rolled oats, and a third a teaspoon of salt or just like a pinch of salt, and a cup of brown sugar, teaspoon of cinnamon, and one and a half teaspoons of baking powder. And so here, once again, we want the butter to be cold because I want to get a flaky crumb on top. And so um, try to cut it in advance, like pea-sized shape again, or you can use your cheese grater um, and you mix the ingredients until incorporated. 
and you just and you kind of add that on top and you gently push it down. And the butter, by the way, you're going to see kind of chunks of butter, which is totally fine. It's going to melt in while it's baking. Okay, your pumpkin pie. So you mix in a bowl, two eggs, one and a half cups of milk. It can be whole or skim, doesn't matter. And if you want to use a nut milk, if you're trying to avoid dairy, it's generally an easy swap, easy swap. So it's one and a half cups of milk of any type. And then you add in your 15 ounces of pumpkin puree. Note, it's not a pumpkin pie filling that may come in a can. Um, so if you see that, um, that's already made. It's got everything in there. Um, so it's pumpkin puree. And you can also make your own pumpkin, which I already discussed in my pumpkin bread podcast. But if you've got pumpkin left over from Halloween, you just basically you bake them. Add some water and you can brush them with oil. But you got to take out the middle, right? So if they're carved pumpkins, they're already out of there. Um, and then you puree your pumpkin mixture. And you mix thoroughly with ingredients. Um, and then in a separate container, you want to add the following. Half a cup of white sugar, half a teaspoon of salt, teaspoon of ginger, half a teaspoon of nutmeg, and half a teaspoon of cinnamon. And if you like nutmeg more than ginger, then you can add a teaspoon of nutmeg and a half teaspoon of ginger. Okay, so you combine all the ingredients and then you pour into the pie shells. And like I said, it's easier than it sounds. So I really encourage you to try making the crust from scratch. Um, and I can guarantee, and don't worry about it too much, right? So don't overcorrect, don't try to be perfect. Just get it mixed the best you can. Um, and I promise you, it's gonna taste great and your friends and family are gonna love it. Okay, I am excited to announce that we are putting together a four day comprehensive baking class series. And we have targeted March of 2021. And the focus will be on baking basics of breads, whole grains, sourdoughs, artisan breads, quick breads, and also pastries. And we're gonna limit it to seven students and the reason we're picking March, because right now we're in the middle of the pandemic and hopefully this thing ends sooner. If it ends sooner and we get that vaccine and that herd immunity going, then we'll start the series in January. Um, and just keep an eye on our website, housebread.com under baking classes where we're gonna list it. Okay, happy baking everyone. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your pies. <laughs>